Well, we are in week one of our new series called Belonging, and today's message is called The Plan for Belonging. Uh, last night's message, we had some technical difficulties. It did not record, but I'm coming to you at my computer this morning so that you can get this content. Um, so, week one, <clears throat> The Plan for Belonging. You know, Paul wrote a lot of letters to the church. Many of those letters were written to address problems in the church. For instance, when Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians, he was addressing problems like divisions in the church, um, not knowing how to address people, all those type of things. But but this letter to the Ephesians was different. You see, the church at Ephesus wasn't really a, the letter wasn't addressing problems to the church at Ephesus. It was actually written to explain some things that the church must understand at its core. And when I say the church, not just the church at Ephesus, but the church at large. Uh, we actually recently did a study in Romans where Paul addressed the Romans concerning God's work on the individual. But this letter really concerns more of the community, the community of in individuals or, or what we belong to. <clears throat> you see, when we enter into this idea of belonging, we are embracing that we have a new identity, in Christ, a new man, or if you will, and in that idea that we are a new creation and we have a new identity in Christ, we belong to a new kind of society, a new kind of culture. And if we're going to belong to a new culture, which is heaven on earth, it's literally the, the, the walking in heavenly places on earth, then we've got to understand how that culture operates in the earth. So I want to set this series up by starting out with 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to read 6 through 7. It says, Yet when I am among mature believers, this is Paul speaking, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. Uh, I, I want to point out in the very beginning, he says, I speak with the wisdom, but I do not speak with a wisdom that belongs to this world. Paul says, I'm speaking with a wisdom that is beyond understanding, that was previously hidden, but now it's made available. In other words, he's saying the mystery is no longer a mystery. But it's not no longer a mystery to anyone. He says it's actually no longer a mystery to mature believers. And we're going to define what that idea of mature believers, but it's important to understand that the only way that it is no longer hidden is for mature believers to receive it. Why? Because they are no longer looking through the lens of human understanding or rulers of this world understanding. We're looking at through a mystery understanding, and that's what we're going to define today. So we have to ask the first question, why was this mystery hidden. It says his plan was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. Well, the reason why it's been hidden and still hidden for many, even though it's not hidden anymore, is that people seek religion and not a relationship with the Father. You see, the word religion actually comes from two words, re and ligio, and what those two words mean, re means to return, and ligio actually means to bind. So the word religion actually literally means return to bondage. You see, everyone wants freedom, 
So what man does is we try to get freedom. And instead of experiencing the freedom in a relationship with God, we love to bind ourselves to systems. And that bondage, religion, return to bondage, prevents us from receiving the mystery or the original plan of God. We love to bind ourselves to a system so we get in this, this relationship of doing and earning rather than letting everything flow from who we are. And then it goes on to say this in verse 8. But the rulers of this world have not understood. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That's what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Now remember, the ones who crucified Jesus were the priests of that day. They were the ones who said, crucify him, crucify him. They were the ones pulling for it. They were the priests. In other words, religion is what crucified Jesus. They were so bound to system, they were so bound to coming up with a way to get ready for the Messiah, that when the Messiah came, they missed it. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined. At that time, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined. Why? Because if they would have seen it, if they would have heard it, if they could have imagined it, then they wouldn't have crucified him. They bound themselves to a system, and they were so caught up in the system, in the bondage of religion, in the bondage of doing, that when Jesus came, when God came, they totally missed it. You see, you can be zealous and dedicated to God, but totally miss God. What do I mean by that? Well, think about the Apostle Paul. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. And when he was Saul, he was actually dedicated to the idea of the religion called Christianity. And what he did, he actually believed that God wanted him to kill believers. So he was zealous and dedicated to God, but what he didn't realize, he was blind to the fact that he was more zealous and dedicated to the system because he missed God in hearing his voice. Their true love, the priests, the people like uh, Paul, before he became Paul, their true love was revealed in the way they rejected God when God showed up. The plan that was previously hidden as a mystery is now revealed by Holy Spirit. You, you, you don't see the mystery binding yourself to a system. And if we're going to understand the wisdom of God, which is the mystery of God, then we must start to view the church not from an earthly view, an earthly perspective, but a heavenly perspective. Because that's going to reveal a kingdom culture that we are a part of that others will not understand. And the fact of the matter is, a lot of church don't understand it. And that's why Paul reads this letter, writes this letter to Ephesians. So we start out in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. It says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. As I studied this week, I found out something really interesting. In the ancient manuscripts, there's actually a blank space where it says, in Ephesus. 
So in other words, starting out this letter, Paul doesn't say, I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus. There is a blank space there. So in reality, it, it's, it's supposed to say, I am writing to God's holy people. You see, this letter wasn't meant just for the church at Ephesus. This letter, this foundational core of our belonging, our identity, our understanding of what we belong to, is actually written to just the entire church. The church at Relentless, the church at Savannah, the church at the United States. This, this is a letter written for everyone to understand. So when you read this book of Ephesians, it's actually a letter to wherever you are, whoever you are. And the thing that qualifies you to understand this, the, the, these principles, according to Ephesians chapter 1, is not necessarily your location, but whether you are a follower of Christ or not. Whether you are mature. You see, maturity is understanding one thing. It's a relationship I seek, not a point of perfect living or getting religion under your belt. Because for so long, we think maturity means, yeah, I'm a mature Christian, I go to church every week, I have my quiet time every day, I pray for an hour a day. We have all of these uh, requirements to say this is how we become mature, but actually maturity is only realizing one thing, that you enter into a relationship as a follower because you're committed to the relationship no matter the cost. And then Paul, Paul follows it up by saying to those who are mature in Christ, to those who are followers of Christ, I speak grace and peace over the follower. Because the fact of the matter is, you can be mature and still be imperfect. I will go so far as to say this, you will not be perfect. So he says, I'm going to speak grace to make a way for the imperfect believer to have peace as they pursue the relationship with God and not bondage. Essentially, grace is the means to walk as mature without perfection. You don't have to be perfect in order to be labeled as mature. So grace is spoken over us. Grace was bought for us. by G Grace was poured out over us by what Jesus did on the cross. And Paul says, I speak that grace over you so that you can understand your identity is mature. And maturity is not perfection. Part of the mysterious plan is that God says this, you belong to me and I have graced you to open eyes to the truth and walk out of bondage that keeps you from the reality that you belong to me. We belong to God. We're graced to belong. We, we, we are even uh, have access to peace in that where we don't go in this back and forth of I feel horrible because I messed up. We, we walk in this place where I am in relationship with my father and I understand that I am graced to have an identity as what I'm called to be rather than my identity being my hangups and mess ups. And then Paul goes into verse three. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Not the Father will bless us, but the Father has blessed us. You see, part of this mystery revealed is that all you need has already been given. 
we think we need, so we do stuff. And if I may meddle a little bit, what the church does is we we think we need something, so we start to have these three-day events or these one-night events called revival meetings. And really all it is is we care about us getting more drunk than learning how to share the wine. We want to come together and say, glory, 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 this is me, this is all about me, God, look at our church, look at our meeting, let's get healed, let's do this, let's do this, and we have totally missed that we don't need to prove to God to get something, we are actually already walking in every spiritual blessing we need to bring heaven to earth so that people can know God. The fact of the matter is, is that we operate out of a relationship, or we should operate out of a relationship, knowing that the relationship leads us into what is already there. God's resources are always available. And if we understand that, then why should we worry? We worry because we don't walk in knowledge of mystery, because we settle for immaturity. What is immaturity? Bonding to systems instead of binding to relationship. What is the mystery? That everything we need has always been there, but we won't see it if we live in bondage to religion, to systems. Relationship is what has graced us to enter into what's already been there, what is already there, every spiritual blessing. Why? He blessed us first, and then Paul says, because we bless him first, in the very beginning of, of verse 3, we give all praise to God the Father. And you know what all praise looks like? Get this, it looks like all praise. He gets glory for all, not some, all. And if you're truly all about all praise, then you won't get bitter out of lack of recognition. Because you've humbled yourself to all praise to the Father. You see, what happens in church is that people get in church and, 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 and they, they, they want recognition for what they've done. <clears throat> and essentially, it's like cancer being in the body. What does cancer do? It's selfish and jealous for all of the recognition, so it tries to eat up the body. That's exactly what it's like for people that come in the church that want recognition. They are not all about all praise to the Father. They're about all praise to themselves. It's exactly what Satan did. He was His position in heaven was to give glory to God, and yet when he got a taste of it, instead of giving all praise to the Father, he wanted all praise for himself, and he fell. And what the church has become has become this place where people want position, people want recognition, but everyone has got to realize we have got to humble ourselves to all praise to the Father because we understand that we're bound to him, not a system, and if we're bound to him, then he will lead us where we need to be, where we need to go, and our purpose and destiny will be unlocked, and you do not have to unlock it yourself. Now, I want you to notice two things pointed out here. It says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing and they are in heavenly realms. So we have a description of the kind of blessing and the location. The kind, spiritual. Location, heavenly realms. And then we're told how to access them. Not by religion, but because we are graced being united or belonging to Christ. 
You do not pull down blessing by making sure you pray more. You do not pull down blessing by making sure you do extra good. You pull it down when you understand that the plan was you always had access. Not because of what you do, but because where you are seated. Where are you seated? With Christ in heavenly places. You want to really mess up some people's religion and, and, and theological beliefs? If, God, if, the, if heaven is the presence of God and God is omnipresent, then the truth is we are in heaven. We walk in heavenly places right here on earth. But we don't like that because system says we have to do good to get to heaven, but relationship says you are already there. So when someone says to me, Kyle, I can't wait to get to heaven, I'll say, well, you keep waiting. I'm already walking in it. See, the plan is that I experience heavenly places and spiritual blessings as I walk now in my identity of belonging. And when I understand my belonging, I start to access out of who I am, not what I strive for. And when you operate in who you are because of understanding that you belong to the Father, the blessing comes because, you've, because the blessing has already been made available. But religion, bondage to systems, locks the blessing up because we get the idea that we have to access it by our hand of doing rather than walking in who, in who we are because his hand graced us for restoration. Who are you restored back to? You're restored to who you are before you were ever a fleshly body. Scripture says that, we, that he knew us before we were in our mother's womb. Scripture says that he made us before the foundations of the world. In other words, he says, I want to restore you to who you were, and by grace, I am going to view you now as who I made you to be, even though you've got a lot of imperfection. And that Greek word for blessing actually means benefit. So it says there are spiritual benefits made available to you because of who you belong to, not because of what you do. So what are the benefits? Check out verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Big bomb. You are holy and without fault. I'll go even, even further. God didn't choose you because you believed in Jesus. You were already chosen. Jesus simply made a way for you to agree with the fact that you are chosen. Jesus made a way for you to enter into the presence even though you were not made even though you are not holy. But when we accept Jesus, we understand that we actually are holy. The reason we accept Jesus is to say, Jesus, I accept what you did for me because you have opened my eyes to the realities of heaven. That I was loved and I was chosen before anything was even made. The scripture says he chose us in Christ. So Jesus literally made a way for us to enter into what God made us to be before we even saw Jesus in the flesh. And what were you chosen in? It says you were chosen in Christ. <clears throat> that word Christ means what you were anointed for. So why were you chosen? He made you for a purpose and you were anointed in that purpose 
before you even got here on earth. So what's the mystery? You don't earn anointing. You've actually always had it. Praise God that Jesus made a way for us to receive and understand what we're made to be. You don't get anointed, you are anointed. But religion, being in bondage, makes you think you've got to earn anointing by your behavior instead of realizing who you were because of the plan that's always been. In other words, you get a relation of who you truly are according to what you're called to do. And you find who you are when you realize this concept of belonging. My true place is that I belong to him, and I don't earn it. I simply allow the scales to come, up, to come off my eyes to heavenly realities. And those heavenly realities or benefits are made available to me by grace, and when I see that, peace will cover my every step. And what's the first spiritual blessing and benefit listed here? You're holy and you're without fault. Holiness is not a place to earn. It's a benefit of belonging. And when you understand you are chosen to be holy and blameless, not become holy and blameless, but you are holy and blameless, then you will open your eyes to the truth that all you got to do is start walking in what you know you belong to. Isn't it funny? We say that God is not a distant God, but we make our purpose in him so far away. Why? Because our mind and thinking is still bonded to a system called Christianity. Jesus did not come to make a new religion called Christianity. He came to make followers and disciples. In fact, I, I, I'll even go bold to say is, I am not a Christian, I am a follower. You see, Jesus did not come to make a new religion. He came to open blind eyes. The mystery that we now see is that I am holy and I am without fault because I'm graced to be seen as that because of what Jesus did on the cross. I am graced to be seen as holy and without fault, or in other words, I'm graced to be seen as the Father originally intended me to be. And the way you walk in that is you get lost in relationship, not in your head. The issue with our current view of holiness is we think we cannot walk in power and authority until we get there or we get mature. But what if there and mature are actually defined as knowing who you are in him? So we strive to walk upright knowing he already sees us as right. We don't set perfection as a prerequisite for walking in anointing. There's a plan, there's always been a plan, and when you realize you belong, you will embrace the plan. And part of the plan is that you walk in what you are called to do, you walk in what you're anointed to do, because he sees you as you truly are, holy and without fault. Verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Your other blessing is that you were predestined for adoption. Now, we have a westernized view of adoption, and in our idea it's when you adopt someone, you're bringing someone that was not originally part of your family into the family. But this word adopted comes from a Greek word that actually means son, place. In other words, the Father predestined you to be placed as into positions as sons and daughters. Meaning, you're not brought into the family of God because you were never a part. It means you walk into a mature state, understanding that you were always part of the family. Or in other words, you always belong. 
You see, this idea of adoption is that you are adopted into your purpose, and you can only walk into your purpose when you reach maturity. What does that mean? You were always part of God's family, but you cannot be placed into position until you realize that you belong to it. And realizing that you belong to it out of relationship and not bondage is called maturity. And God will allow us to walk as sons and daughters because maturity is simple. You see where you always belonged, and you have a re revelation of your true identity. And that revelation of where you belong and who you are puts you in agreement with the mysterious plan that is now being revealed to you. Isn't this good? See, in Roman law, anyone adopted, they got all rights as sons. They, but, but another part of, of Roman law, when you're adopted, you didn't just get all the rights. All of your old debts were forgiven. Spiritual blessing, you have no debt to pay. Because you're positioned as sons and daughters of God, and Jesus took care of your debt. And if we understand that he took care of our debt, then why do we bind ourselves to a system that convinces you you still got to pay it? Well, you've got to pray this many times a day. You've got to go to church every week. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. Those things should flow out of belonging, not out of striving. Religion puts you in a bondage of paying off debt that's been taken care of. God has decided to take care of the debt because he wanted to do it. And the scripture says in verse 5, it gave him great pleasure. What gives him great pleasure? To get us back to the plan that we can now see. Verse 6, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. We praise God for the grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He pours out grace on who belong to him. And the mystery is to realize you belong to him not from a system of doing. Our doing comes from a relational praise flowing from the mystery that we belong. We don't praise him to earn. We praise him because we already belong. And the, the matter of fact, the Greek word for belong in this passage is chirito, meaning highly favored and full of grace. In other words, here's another spiritual benefit. You don't gain favor out of striving and earning because of your system. When you realize you belong, you are favored, filled with grace and identity. You don't earn favor. You have a revelation that you are favored. And when you realize that, you walk with a confidence and a boldness and doors start to open, blessings manifest, and the only way anyone can describe it is favor. And when they say, how did you get favor? You don't tell them you pray every day. You don't tell them that you go to church. You don't tell them that you're aligned here and you align there. You say, I don't get favor. I am favored because I belong to the I am. And if he is the I am, in him, I am. <laughs> See, God's mysterious plan that we are reading here was rejected because his plan glorifies himself. And what we do is we actually love the glory of effort and man's achievement, so we make it a system. Why do we bind ourselves to religion? Because we want to be recognized for what we do instead of just walking in who we are because of what we never were able to do. <laughs> this is good. We, we have to understand that 
if he is the I am, then I am. I am blessed. I am favored. I am, what are the benefits we've talked about this far? I am chosen. I am holy. I am without fault. I am adopted. I am full of grace. I do, I, I am favored. Not I will get. Not I will become. But because I belong, not because of what I do, not because of my perfect record, not because of my report card that says I'm doing good. I'm talking about because of who we belong to, we are. Verses 7 and 8. I hope this has been good tonight. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. The next benefit, freedom. He purchased it. You did not. So why do we still live with a mindset of earning and payment? If we did not pay for it, then why do we measure our worthiness with our behavior report card? The behavior will change as we accept the benefit that we're free instead of trying to get free. You want to know why people get burned out with going to church? Because we go thinking we're going to get something instead of going as a response to you realizing you've already got it. Why do you have it? Because you belong. It's so simple, and we've made it so complicated. I want to start singing that song, We Belong, but I'm not going to do it. We belong. Nope. The only payment for freedom is his blood. And you cannot do anything more other than understand that blood took you out of bondage. So stop returning to it. Because when you're in bondage, Holy Spirit is not allowed to interrupt your routine. Because you don't want to allow him in your system. Right? And we've all got systems. And we hate it when it gets interrupted because you're bound to it. If you weren't bound to it, you wouldn't hate the interruption because you recognize this Holy Spirit leading. But you don't like the idea that Holy Spirit's leading you because you think you're not worthy of Holy Spirit because your idea of worthiness is by your hand and not his pouring out of grace. That's why like, when people they start to feel something different when they're saved. You know why they ask, what is it? Because they're scared to death to actually believe that God actually lives in them. They're, they're, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's blindness. So I pray that blind eyes be open to the reality that that whisper, it actually is God. And I love that all of this tonight has been spoken in past tense. You know what a system of bondage does? We make it future. One day I'll get it. One day I'll understand. One day I'll walk into it. No, 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 no. You are free to move into your next season right now. You know, it's funny how church talks about seasons. Let, let, let me just break that religion real quick. 
Seasons don't change you. You are who you've always been. You go through trial to see who you've always been. You're the, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we are in his image, we are actually the same today as we were yesterday and will be forever. Dare you think it. Why don't we like to think it, system? He forgave you your sin. He forgave you settling for lesser portion so that he could give you a wisdom and understanding as if you accepted the full portion. Because lesser portion, sin, says you will never get to have wisdom and understanding. So what does God do? I'm going to grace you and save you and clean you so that you can receive what you got as if you accepted your full portion. Or in other words, you don't believe in who you are. So I am going to save you and open your eyes to the reality of who you are as if you did it. I'm going to do what you could not do and open your eyes even though you were never going to open your eyes because I'm pouring out understanding. I am pouring out wisdom that you would have never gotten settling for your lesser portion identity. What are we to walk in? Grace. Unmerited favor. To have abundance. Wisdom and understanding is not earned. It's graced. As if you are walking in full portion. Why? Because he already sees you as full portion. Is this making sense? Hmm. God is that good. Law has been fulfilled. What law? Think about the law of adoption. You have to enter into maturity as sons in order to walk as a son. So how has law been fulfilled? He has fulfilled every requirement to label you as mature. And when you understand it, you're graced with maturity. You try to earn it, you settle for immaturity. Law is no longer what you do. I'm closing. Law is realizing who you are because of what he did. And I'm going to show it to you by this last scripture, and then I'm going to close out. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 14 through 18. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Now, hear that out now. We're, we were just told that we are holy. Now it says we're being made perfect for those being made holy. That word being made holy is actually sanctify, meaning to set apart. So the, the scripture actually says, he forever made perfect those who are being set apart. I thought we were already set apart. Hold on. 15. The Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so, for he says, this is the new covenant that I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart. I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. When? Never. And when sins have been forgiven, 
there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. When Jesus gave himself for us, he forever made perfect those being set apart. He made perfect those who are being set apart. Who are set apart? Those who seek him and understand their belonging. What is being made set apart? The process of your eyes opening to who you are. And when you understand who you are, you walk in the reality of you being set apart because he's made you perfect. There are a lot of people who believe they're not set apart from anything, and that's why they look like everything God's against. The pathway to being set apart is to walk apart from those who have yet to realize they belong because he made us perfect. And when you walk set apart, you walk set apart because of a realization of who you belong to. It's not I'm better than. It's not I'm more than. That's not maturity. Maturity is not how long you've been in church. Maturity is not how many uh, people that you've seen minister to you. That's not maturity. Maturity is I understand who I am, and because I understand who I am and that I am made perfect, I am continually being set apart from everything else that's trying to define me. I am not defined by my upbringing. I am not defined by my family. I'm not defined by this, that, that. I'm not defined by my addiction. I'm not defined by my sin. I am set apart from all that. And when you start to understand you are set apart from all that, you start to walk into reality that you have authority over all of that. You have authority over it. You won't gain victory until you realize you have been set apart from it and the process of setting apart is understand I don't belong to this bondage. I belong to my father who took care of the bondage. <laughs> Law is not something to attain. Why? It's been written on your hearts. In other words, you've got a new DNA. You've got a new creation. What is the law now? You are written and created to be a son or daughter belonging to the Father. That's your law. And when you start to live by that law, all the Old Testament law is actually fulfilled. Not because of what you do, but because of who you belong to. Sins are forgiven. You belong. And he writes the belonging on your hearts and mind. And as you change your mind, repentance, then you actually begin to live in agreement with that law. What law? Your fulfillment is in him, not your scorecard of perfect living. Law is because of the last sacrifice. He says, I already see you as perfect. So what do I do with that? Start living and walking, realizing who you belong to. It's not I will get there. It's I am there. And when you realize you're there, when you realize you belong, you no longer wait to qualify to walk in your anointing. You realize that you're already qualified in what you're anointed to do. I can't find where I wrote it, so I'm just going to try to remember where it is. If our identity is in him, 
if we belong to the Father. He says, when they ask him his name, what do he say? He says, I am. So if we belong to the I am, then what's my name? I am. Not because of what I did, but because of my position of belonging. Why do I need to understand that I am? Because it's not I will become. You know why the church isn't moving today? We don't believe that we are I am. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You've been united in your anointing. You were chosen. You're made without fault. You've been adopted. You've been accepted. You're already free. You've received grace. You have favor. You've been given wisdom. You've been given understanding. And you belong. And none of it is because of what you did. Let us start this journey together and walk with who we belong to and start walking into the identity that he already sees us as. Can someone say amen to that? Let's stand. Can we give God praise tonight?